This podcast is dedicated in loving memory and tribute to Judy Roth, Ashley Berg, and Bennett White. Radio, a podcast about cycling, health, music, art, and transformation. With your hosts, Greg Roth and Dave the Rocket Richter. We Ride Y Radio, episode number two with Greg, and I'm with the Rocket. We're back again for our second episode. How you doing, Rocket? Great, Greg. Well, hey, we got a really cool show today, and you're going to love this. You grew up in the 80s like I did, mm -hmm. and you like Prince, right? Oh, man. One of the all-time best. Me too. And uh, we got Dr. Fink on today. Dr. Fink toured with Prince, was with Prince in the studio and on tour from like 78 to 96. He's seen some stuff. He's seen some stuff. He's got some stories. He does. And we're going to talk to him today. In addition, Rocket is going to talk about the new Fount Youth Development Program and we're going to offer some great advice mitigating the adversarial relationship between motos and cyclists. Before we get into it, we're going to play a track from our guest, Dr. Fink.
That track you just heard is going to run from Dr. Fink coming up on the second half of the show. How is uh, Jen and uh, the little Wolfmeister? Wolf is great. Jen's great. Jen's busy doing a lot of work. Yeah, what's she up to? Uh, she's got a lot of projects going on at Microsoft right now. Oh. But, um, she's super busy with uh, the Cycling Guild as well. She's done a lot of cool things. That's great. And she's training really hard. She's kind of like you. Uh, she, you're a renaissance man. She's a renaissance woman. And Wolfie is a renaissance toddler. He is. <laughs> That's great. You guys have a very well-rounded, balanced lifestyle. I renaissance love that. family. Renaissance family. That's right. Yeah, the modern family. That's right. We, we, but we don't play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> nope. No. What do you, what do you guys do? Uh, we ride bikes. And Wolfie, too. You got him on a bike? Yeah. Uh, he, he, he just he, hangs he, out? You know, his feet just touch the floor now is uh his little push bike uh so he's really? gonna be pushing around a lot is he a little but he's, beast oh he he's a beast walker and runner yeah. so he's going up the stairs without crawling now so he can step up the stairs what yeah. he's already demonstrating athletic prowess at a year old oh yeah for sure uh, but it's expected i expect yeah. a lot more but it's true. his uncle got you him expect a, more i do <laughs> You and Jen are genetically superior to the average human being. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I, I feel a lot better now that uh, I got my arm. Uh, yeah. Surgery done. Surgery. So, so how did your surgery go? Oh man, excellent. I, I, I happen to have probably the best doctor in the world for this. I had some trouble with my wrist and elbow and previous injuries, and uh, nobody could really tell what it was. And then I found Doctor Erickson. So. Found out later is a world-renowned guy from the for elbow work, and uh, he knew exactly what it was. And he uh, he went to town and redid some tendons that I'd blown out, and took, yeah. actually took a bone out of my wrist. Um, took a bone out. Took a bone out. Um, That'll make you lighter on climbs. That's that's what I told him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it was a very small the scar tissue. Weighs a little bit too. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, so it's a, it's a wash. No, but now the wrist works. I can actually uh, snap my fingers. I can... Uh, See, I didn't even know you couldn't do that before. No, I couldn't even open a peanut butter jar. That's why really? I, I figured I better get this fixed. Yeah. When you were riding, did that hurt? Like, like every time you'd hit a bump, I would imagine that your, your arm or your hand would just be like, ah! Uh, every time I shifted. So I'd actually have Jeez. to wince before I even shift. You know, it was mm. getting pretty bad. How long has that pain been with you? Uh, really bad the last year. So you mean the whole time we were riding and training with you, you were in pain, but nobody would ever know? No, that's true. What's your secret? Uh, I camouflaged it for sure. <laughs> How? <laughs> Drugs? How? How did you, how did we not know? According to Dr. Erickson, so I, you were in pain. I have less pain receptors or better coping abilities or both. Likely both. In other words, your pain threshold's really high. Yeah. Yeah. But you've been in like you've had crashes and so many other things. Is that do you think that's part of it? Is this you you've just like killed all your nerves or something? <laughs> <laughs> so you mean I'm used to it? I've been training yeah, for yeah. pain. <laughs> yeah, pain is normal. I think, I think a lot of that is that. That's um, true. Um, but a little bit of it, it is from training, um, and just like he said, the coping abilities. I think mm. uh kind of compartmentalizing it and uh just just knowing like, well, I have to do this, I gotta figure out a way and I would compensate, mm. which is not necessarily a good thing, but uh, I compensate to get the job done. You are our illustrious leader and coach. So I guess I would think that the mentality you have is I can't let them see. 
I got to oh, set the 100%. example, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it, you let them see what you want them to see. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> but you're like that all the way. Like I said, you're you're pretty ninja. That's the mentality you have when you race. Is you will see what I want you to see. Yeah. When I want you to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the great news behind the hood, under the hood, under uh, the hood. things are great. Um, yeah. It's uh, I got good grip capabilities now. And uh, it's it's uh, it's just as fun to ride, but it just doesn't hurt anymore. Game changer. Fount has just started a youth development program. Talk about that a little bit. The first official junior on the squad is Colin. He's a good kid. Yeah, Colin Stotts. He's also the recipient of the Bennett White Scholarship Fund this year, too. Uh, Bennett Bennett is an exceptional human being, and he's going to be in the film We Ride Why. And we'll play some audio clips from Bennett in later episodes because he is an incredible person, and no. I met him through you. Yeah, he's a Jedi, man. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why it's named after Bennett. Yeah. Um, for, I mean, I, I don't do that with a lot of people, but... Ben yeah. had a big impact in my life and a lot of other people's lives. And mm. um, I like I like what he stood for. Amen. Yeah, I, I didn't know him like you knew him. I knew him for six months. But when I sat down and, and did the interview for the film and then I had other conversations, I felt like I knew him a lifetime. You know, yeah. like like he just he's somebody that you meet. He just touches your soul. For sure. Yeah. So you got Colin. It's the Bennett White Scholarship. Colin's awesome. I've ridden with him. He races his mom's. Awesome. Mom's on the club too. His yeah. mom's on the club, and, and and what I love is they're out training together. It's awesome. Yeah. How cool is that? It is. It's really cool. And I think you know, um, Colin will probably look back several years mm -hmm. from now and say how cool it was. Mm -hmm. You know, and when people ask him, "Well, how'd you get into cycling?" You know, and he's like, "Well, me and my mom." It's a beautiful story. Yeah. Um, you know, I lost my mom as you know when I was ten to cancer. She was young, and I'm always really touched when I see a relationship of a, a, a mother and her child. There's just something really holy about that. But to see a mom and their son oh, yeah. out training together and just enjoying cycling in a, in a pure way and sharing it together, that's something you just don't see. And that's one of the things I love about Fountain. Yeah, it's pretty cool, you know? especially in road cycling. You know, yeah. it's got a bad rap of being a little bit elitist sometimes. Oh, yeah. and, <laughs> well, it is, it is it kind be. of elite. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah. uh, no, that's what's cool. It's yeah. it's going against the grain a little bit there, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool thing. It's funny because you're right. It, it does get perceived as being elitist, but then I think, you know, the, a certain mentality that one has as a cyclist is it's just you know that if you race and the way that you ride, you know that it's taken a lot of work oh, yeah. to get to that level. It's not like it they just gave it to you and suddenly, okay, well, hey, I'm I'm a great rider and one of the best. No, you have to earn it. I think that is uh, one of the key things that creates some unwarranted animosity between, you know, uh, motorists and cyclists mm -hmm. even is like these people in their cars are pissed off just because they're in traffic and they see these bikes whiz by and they're a little bit jealous. And, yeah. and maybe that's what causes a little bit of that yeah. rage. Yeah, it's it's funny. You never know what's underneath what's driving it, right? Hey, let's talk about that. So that's a great segue because mm -hmm. I've noticed since I've been out riding, and I know there's a lot going on. we got the election. We've got COVID-19. We've got unemployment issues. Like when I'm out riding, I can feel – I can feel it's a little tense out there, not oh, yeah. with cyclists, but sure. from cars. Like, like you can hear it in the way they're driving, the way <laughs> yeah. they're reacting. I, I feel like people are a little bit more on edge 
than normal. Are you experiencing that? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, I mean, as people, they want to get back to normal. I think. Yeah. You know? And uh, there's a there's a there's a rush to get back to it. And, yeah, and and it's almost like there's a sense of I'm in a hurry. There's no need to be in a hurry. Right. But they are, and I think it's funny because I I used to drive a lot more, and I I know that you're in your little metal box, and you can take a lot of your aggressions out in your driving. Yeah. But it seems like a lot of the aggressions, and maybe it's just me, because I've almost been, you know, crushed a few times, right? Like all of us. But it just seems drivers are a little more tense, and I'm just wondering what you think that's attributed to. That's a great question, and I don't think I can answer that. Yeah. Because every every situation is a little bit different. True. You know, we don't know what's going on with that driver. I you totally... never know. It, it's hard some days because when somebody almost kills you, I, I I do take that a little personally. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, and at some point. You know, the fight or flight kicks in yeah. and and sometimes, you know, the finger comes out or, yeah. you know, you yell back. It ha- it's happened to me at the rocket ride. Um, I, a lot of people have heard that story. Tell me. Let's oh, hear man. that story. It's, uh, we were at the rocket ride and uh, towards the end of the ride on, on Broadway. And if anybody knows where that is, it's a pretty wide road and we're mm-hmm. on the shoulder. And it's the ride is already broken up by then. And there's yeah. groups of one and two and yeah. four. And there was four of us in the front, and um, you can hear a truck come from behind. You could tell it was really close, and um, it's the, the mirror hit my hair. It was so close. Mm. Um, I had longer hair at the time. It hit my hair, and it was so close. And I didn't even react. I was just like, "Oh man, what a, what yeah. a you know, this guy's a, a creep," you know. But I didn't even I didn't flip him off or anything, and we were just concentrating on our cycling. And then he slows down and blows, you know, it's a diesel truck. He blows a bunch of diesel exhaust in our face. And then he slows down again. And he starts pushing us off the road. And at that point, somebody in the group, you know, said like, hey, you know, like yelled yeah. back at him. And, uh, you know, they, of course, he probably couldn't even hear. And uh, he almost ran us off the road, but then he continued on. And uh, that's when I was like, wow, what a what an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you angry. I know. And I, and at that point, I was still I, I wouldn't even say I was angry. I was just like disgusted. Yeah. What happened was uh, we were about a half a mile from a, a major light and he hit the light red. And I saw that and we were approaching him. I'm like, all right. I'm going to give this guy peace of my mind now since he almost, you know, he tried to kill yeah. us, you know. <laughs> uh, so I, I had the intention of going up and, and, and saying something to this guy. I didn't know what yet, but this is like in December or November. Mm-hmm. It's cold, and I saw he's already got his window down. I was like, oh, man, he's already got his window down. He's, he's going to say something. And before I even stopped, he started screaming at me and calling me every name he could think mm-hmm. of in the book, just derogatory words. I stood off my bike and took it. And then I just looked at him and I was like, you know what, you, you know, <laughs> and because I, I was just, you know, yeah. I was triggered at that point. It takes a lot yeah. for you to get to that for point. For sure. Right? I was serious because I mean, I had a serious look on my face and I, I didn't scream it, Yeah. but I said, you know, you like to where he got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he, he said it back, you know, so we got into this new match <laughs> wow. and, and at that point it was like, okay, now I'm, my adrenaline's going yeah. and we were just flipping, each, you know, flipping each other shit back and forth, like three or four times rapidly. This is, this is all happening in probably 15 seconds. Jeez. And, and then I noticed like he was in a big truck and he leaned over and I thought he was undoing his seatbelt, which he had already, I think already undone. But he leans over and opens his door. This guy's going to come out and try to, like, fight me or something. But he, he comes around, and he turns around, and he has a gun in his hand, and he's pointing a gun right at my face. And, you know, he's, like, point blank. I don't know. 
the gun is probably a yard from my face. I, that's when I just like kicked in. I was holding my bike and I just picked up my bike and swatted at his arm and uh, ended up breaking his arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait. Okay. Wait. Wait. You broke his arm. Time, he was pointing a gun at you, though, right? But he, he was pointing yeah. his gun at me, so I was just using my bike to As a, swat. Right to swat the gun away. You weren't trying away. to break his arm. No, you, not at all. But it was I, a defensive to knock it out of his hand. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't knock it out of his hand. He held onto the gun, but he. Oh. But it hurt him so bad. He. he wow. He went down, jumped back in his truck, and at this point. This is at a major intersection. Um, but yeah, so there's everybody's out of their cars. Like, because this guy's pointing a gun at some guy on a bike. Jeez. And now the guy on the bike <laughs> swatted at this guy. When was this? Uh, this is a couple of years ago, three Jeez. years ago. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the guy got back in his truck and kind of creeped around the corner, you know, got, got out of the line of traffic. And everybody's, you know, irate, like, what's going on? They're calling 911. And, and, uh, we really didn't know what to do, and the light turned green. We went. We just kept going. The four at this point, there's mm -hmm. probably ten of us there now. The group's gotten a lot bigger because yeah. a lot of people rolling up are like, "What the hell's what going the, on? This guy's yeah. pointing a gun at Richter." What the what? Yeah. yeah. And so anyway, we I was like, "We got to get out of here in case this guy just now yeah. he might run us over." You know, if I was to look back, I I probably maybe I wouldn't have done this. You know, yeah. but this is all instinct. I'm well, going off when now. somebody pulls a gun on you, yeah. it's uh, right. yeah, it's, it's hard a, to. It's, it's a well, different game. Remember I, when you're a kid and you said. Well, if somebody pulled a gun on me, I would do this. You don't know what you would no, do. No, but I did it. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it, you know, fast forward, we got out of there and the guy never came back. But um, there was a ton of cops, you know, waiting where we were, yeah. you know, after the ride. And uh, I got called by the cops and got my story. And he was a retired cop Jeez. that pulled the gun on me. Well, the cops tried to, to talk me out of pressing charges. And I was like, no. Basically, we pointed a gun at me, so I assume he wanted to shoot me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or at least, they're yeah. like, well, you broke his arm, so I was like, yeah, so self defense. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, it all it all turned out good. What ended up happening? Uh, nothing. I just had to do a couple of interviews for the police. Did you ever talk to the guy after? Not at all. I didn't. So he want never to apologized. I don't care yeah. if he apologizes or not. Got it. I, I just only want to see that guy again. Like, and if I saw the guy, I would not even probably recognize him. You know, yeah. I just. I was so yeah, hyper-focused on yeah. that gun. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a good point. So for folks out there, Ryan, here's my philosophy, right? Like, And this is what I've learned because I used to get pissed off all right. the time. I had an incident a couple of weeks ago where somebody practically sideswiped me. But here's the thing. I also get, and you said this earlier, and this is a really, really good point you made, is we, we really don't know what people are dealing with. Right. We don't know if in that situation that cop had PTSD. I don't know. I'm not making excuses. The point of it is, is when we want to react, especially if somebody almost, you know, kills us or if somebody is rude or somebody does something, we want to react, but we really don't know what's driving that person's behavior. Right. You know, there's a lot going on. Yeah, for sure. So we can't control them, obviously. And I know you've been in so many incidents and you're really a great example of someone that keeps their cool. So when, when I was hearing that story, I go, whoa, that is so uncharacteristic. But right. that was a very extreme situation. Sure. What advice would you give to folks out riding? You know, we live in a, an urban environment, rural environment, but there's a lot of cars. And there's obviously tension yeah. between cyclists For sure. and automobiles. Some drivers forget that most cyclists also drive 
automobiles. Yeah, and and they and for the record, they do pay their taxes. And they do like pay their taxes, else. and we do pay for the bike lanes and everything else. That's so right. I got a really interesting comment on our We Ride Why Facebook page from the podcast. Yeah, that he didn't think it was fair that he had to pay for bike lanes. Thought that was a great opportunity to educate him a little bit. For sure. Yeah. How do we keep our cool? Because the thing is, and and this is not just about cycling, Dave. There's no. tension everywhere, right? But we can't control what somebody else does, but we can control how we react to it. What are some strategies that you use to not letting yourself engage in negative behavior on the bike or with an, a driver? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And and I've checked myself over the years too. You know, Jennifer yeah. Jennifer gets out, got after me a couple of times when I yelled at somebody back, you know. It, mm-hmm. She said, yeah, it wasn't your fault, but you didn't have to do that. You know, it stresses me out when you do that. It made me think too. It's like, yeah, you know, why should I let somebody ruin my day? That's right. So I have a great strategy. It's proven. It's just the simple wave. And what that is, is, hmm. you know, even if you're wrong, or even if you're right, you're, you haven't done anything wrong and somebody honks at you or somebody yells at you or somebody mm-hmm. tells you where, you know, to get on the bike trail or whatever it may be. You just simply bite your lip for a second. Yeah. Take, take a, a breath. D- take a breath. Yeah. And give them the wave, you know, put your hand up and say, sorry. You know, they might not even be able to hear you, but put, put the sorry hand mm. up. You know, you put your hand up. You're that's just right. acknowledging them. And, and yeah. that's all you're doing is acknowledging yeah. them. And what that does to them is they acknowledge like, oh. Maybe it's me, you know, maybe, mm. maybe they didn't really do anything, you know, and then they usually back off. And the same thing when you're coming to a, an intersection, like some residential stop sign and, and sometimes the cars get mad at you for not coming to a complete stop. They yeah. don't, they don't understand like being on a bike, the whole momentum thing and having to reaccelerate. And the laws change now. It's, it's great. It's I mean, safer. If, if you use it properly, it's great. True. Yeah. So when they don't understand that, you just simply give them the wave, and and that's all they need. And it de-escalates it. It de-escalates Instantly. it. Yeah, totally. Yep. Um, and uh, it's worked really well for me. Yeah. And, and it's just lost less stress, and it makes them feel good too. They almost flip. They they go from you know hating you, honking and yelling to oh hey guys, you know mm. I'll let the cyclist dream. You know. No, that that's so great, Rocket, because. The thing is, and this is my philosophy, and I've, I've learned, this is my, my own journey. I've had so many close calls. I had a few crashes, been sideswiped, clipped, hit and run. But I don't, I don't find myself getting angry anymore. What it, what it is is I, I look at, like, when we're out on the road, life is not all about me. I am part of a greater equation. There's yeah. cars out there. There's kids. There's people walking. There's, there's pets. So I am part of that. Mm-hmm. So what I think of is instead of resisting that, I, I find myself being part of the flow. Right. Like I'm integrated with it and I go with it. Whatever's happening, I just go with it. I flow with the traffic. And, and I find that when I'm flowing and then when I'm integrated into life, hey, it's all about me on my bike, me, 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 you know, it, it's a different experience. And the reaction that I get, the energy shifts. Like yeah. I can actually shift the energy in others by how I am being and, and how I'm reacting. And so what I'm hearing you say in the way, when you wave, you immediately shift how they're being by how you're being. That's right. Yeah. And even when we go through as a group, like through a, to a uh, intersection or yeah. something, and there's, there's 10 or 15 of us, you know, and the cars are waiting for us all. I make sure if I'm the last one or near the end, the wave goes up, you know, you just, yeah. you make sure to thank them for, for waiting five seconds 
for us to come through. Yeah. You know? it's We're like, all out here together. That's right. It's a really great mentality. It's a whole, it's a total shift because the thing is, in reality, it's like, hey, we're all in this life together. We're just trying to keep on keeping on. We're trying to get where we want to go. Um, we want to do it safe. I mean, in reality, if a car hits you, they, they don't going? want that either. No, yeah. then and we're going to be out of their life in five seconds. Right, you know? <laughs> right. And, and because they don't want to have to disrupt what they were doing, then they have to go to court, whatever. So let's all just, we're out here all trying to, you know, do the best we can. Let's all be aware of that. And let's just flow together. As night falls over the sky, the hue from blue to black Fall deeper into your eyes And see love staring back I'm thinking we should take this To the next level Just say yes Don't go I want you to stay
this cat for almost three decades toured and recorded with one of the greatest artists of our generation and perhaps ever you may have seen him in the movie purple rain or if you've seen the videos 1999 little red corvette when doves cry and a lot more this guy's wearing a doctor's outfit that's why he's called dr fink husband father and musician extraordinaire matt dr fink well, Dr. Fink, you were one of my first guests on my first podcast, Seattle Music Insider Radio, SMI Radio. So we got this new thing, We Ride Wire Radio. So it's great to have you on the second episode. And I know the revolution was out on tour. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're off the road. What other impact has it had on y'all? Just that, you know, work is sporadic. And as far as studio work is concerned, I mean, some, pe- some mu- musicians are working regularly, you know, if they're, but not doing studio work as much as they were because the TV and uh, movie industry kind of shut down for a while. Things are starting to roll back a little bit, but not enough, you know, because that's just how it is. And then, of course, we all know the live music side of things went completely away except for drive-up concerts, outdoor events spaced out during the summer months. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was asked to do a few of those, actually. Really? Here here locally, locally with friends of mine in town. I was invited to do some gigs, but I didn't do them because I'm being that way. I, I know other artists like myself who are, too, who are older because we're older, you yeah. know, and we just want to be safe. Yeah. What seems to be the response to those those drive-up uh, concerts? Um, they're okay, I guess. And, you know, they're, they're still... Well, there was one venue actually bringing people inside, which was probably a mistake, but as well as the outdoor part, too. They were doing both in the summer, even. And now, of course, everybody's got to be indoors because we just had two weeks of the record cold and snow of October since 140 years of (laughs) record keeping. So 2020, you know, it's just turning out to be more unprecedented stuff happening. You know, it's interesting. It's very interesting. It's almost like, Things happen in waves. They come along. They do, you know, pandemics happen every 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's I right. Know. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you, but, but it's like, what the F, right, guys? Yeah. Right? We're in the midst of this, but, but we're going to get through it. I, I'm oh, optimistic. Yeah. I really am. We'll get through it. it, it it's just the, through it is the key word, through. Through, yeah. Yeah. The only way yeah. out is through. Hey, you just mm-hmm. made me think of something because we're talking about um, Minneapolis cold weather. You played the halftime show, or you played the Super Bowl when the Super Bowl was in Minneapolis, right? You were doing a big show, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it was outside, all the whole, all the bands affiliated, associated with the Minneapolis Sound, performed oh, outside cool. on on what was called the Nicolet, or what is called the Nicolet Mall. Have you ever heard of that? Took that place. Oh yeah. We played out there, and there were it was like a four way intersection, obviously. And people were up and down. We were on one corner of the intersection, and they, people were up and down the four blocks. Wow. And out front. It was insane. It was, there had to be 8,000 people out, it, keeping it, each other warm. Keeping I, each other warm in downtown Minneapolis it was absolutely incredible. How do you keep the fingers and warm? The, I was just going to ask that. Well, <laughs> well we, we were promised that there would be really great space heaters on stage <laughs> to keep everybody warm. Right. Uh-huh. And, and I hope Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis don't hear this, but 
they would produce the show. Just to let the audience know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are from the time, and they produced Janet Jackson's, yeah. you know, right, right, right. mega hit yeah. records. Yep, yep, yep. They're they're very well known, the head of the, Rhythm Nation. the Grammy Association and everything. Jimmy Jam is like president of the Grammys for many uh, years. Anyway, so the, here's the thing. I mean, they're great guys. I freaking love these guys. As soon as I, I was told we're going to do an outdoor show in Minneapolis on like February second, that was the date, something like that. I said, "That's trouble, you guys. That's trouble. Yeah. There's going to be it's going to be hotter than I mean, colder than than you know what out there." And and I was right. And it just, you know, sometimes you get lucky and, and temperatures are like in the 20s. Yeah. Usually 20s. they are. Lucky. Oh, and usually, heat. usually, but usually they are. But yeah. you just, it's a roll of the dice, as we say, right? Yeah. So, so that night we had seven below wind chill. Mm. By the time we took the stage at about 1030 that evening. Wow. Okay. And... So I'm up there. I literally had electric hand warmer things I could hold in each hand. I'm, I'm not kidding because everybody told us who had played before us that night because we were obviously the last group to go on. Wow. And and it was more cold. So it was just it, they had these like propane heaters up there, right? That just radiate heat, but there was wind, so it's just pulling it all away. Right? Oh, There's man. nothing under the stage blowing up at you or up above with all you know like infrared coming down at you that, that that should have been hung with infrared heaters all along the top yeah. and sides and they didn't they wow. didn't do that but don't get me started so, <laughs> so we were up there we, we were going to play about a 45 minute set or so but no way we i think we did 20 minutes because everybody's hands froze what songs did you even play? with the heaters What'd you huh? play? The usual. I don't even remember what's so bad. The first fast. 20 minutes. I don't, I don't I'm know. really sorry about the set. I don't know what <laughs> it was. No, I'm sure Purple Rain was in there. Yeah, and, and Baby of the Star. And, yeah, all the big hits, yeah. right? Little yeah. Real Red. No, I don't think we played Little Red Corvette. But we played Computer Blue. I know we did Computer oh, Blue. Really? And, uh, yeah, we opened with that. And then oh. uh, we went into um, probably played Delirious. Stuff like that, when doves cry, those mm. like the big hits. So anyway, uh, I had to he- keep one of the, the electric hand warmer things in one hand at a time because if I didn't, <laughs> both hands froze up within. And I'm not, I'm not Are exaggerating. You visual on this rock. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. Thirty seconds. I'm flashbacks. <laughs> no, thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. I'm telling wow. you, thirty seconds, and everybody experienced this. And came back to us backstage, and they kept saying, "Man, it's really <laughs> not working, man." You're just trying to survive. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know what I I had on stage? I wore the mo- the warmest Sorel down parka you could possibly find, hmm. the kind that you would literally could keep you warm in the Arctic Circle. I'm not kidding you. Good call. I was wearing that. I had the hood on. All you could see was my breath coming out. They're I'm probably not... somewhere. I don't know I'll where. There may, there may even be bootleg video, you know, from oh, sure. audience stuff totally. on the web. So oh, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. So, oh, my gosh. That was it was fun. It was fun, but it was so cold, and it, and it was just um, funny. So I was missing keyboard parts because like, I had to keep <laughs> one hand warm, play with the right hand, and warm up the left hand and go the right hand and go ba 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 back and forth with the wow. heater. So I could keep playing something, right? Yeah. How did Lisa and do? I don't know how. Terrible. 
She oh. didn't even have, she had like, she had those kind of gloves with the fingerless, uh, uh, the tops of the oh. gloves that keep your hand warm, but your fingers are still out. Right. Right. I didn't really have those, but she did. And she said it was impossible to keep warm mm. because a, it just wasn't thick enough. And then her tips of her fingers were out Jeez. and those knuckles were just totally toasted wow. and you know wendy said she could barely play so yeah it was rough i think it was a 20 minute set because wow. of that we just couldn't couldn't stay up there after prince passed away you know he didn't have a, a will per se so that allowed you to you know really reform the revolution i know that you had done a few gigs you did the reunion gig back i think it was 2012 2013 yeah um, i was there yeah. actually yeah that's right um yeah. but then yeah. you guys were pretty pretty active. I mean, you had a pretty robust schedule and you were getting a lot of great gigs. How, how many dates a year were you playing before COVID-19? Oh, probably 35. And we've done a couple big charity fundraiser events where we auctioned off stuff and some guy, oh, it was amazing. He, he paid like 150000 for signed, you know, drum heads. Wow. And, a guitar, guitar or something, you know, from mm-hmm. us, just from the revolution. It was really great, Re- so really cool. awesome guy who did that for the. I've told you this before, but but my favorite mm-hmm. era is the period when you were with um, Dirty Mind, Controversy, 1999, Purple Rain, Round the World in a Day, Sign of the Times. Uh, yeah, those, that's my my favorite era. Um, the Revolution was my favorite band that Prince had. And the fact that you're going out there and you're getting the respect and the recognition that 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 you deserve, frankly, um, that maybe you weren't given. And also the ability to play more, because I know that 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 Prince, uh, after Purple Rain was out, you guys toured for a year and uh, you guys didn't get to go to Europe to tour the Purple Rain tour. Is that correct? In reality, he just chose to mm. stop touring after we did the U.S. Mm. for the Purple Rain tour. And then he already had around the world in the day finished by then anyway. Right. But but he, he was kind of tired of touring, I guess, mm. after six and a half months on the road. He just didn't enjoy it that much. He wanted mm. to move on and do new new music and tour new music. And he just didn't feel like doing a full world tour. Right. That was in, in his head. Yeah. So that's what he did. And then we he just told us that we were going to take a, a pretty long break and that we could do whatever we wanted. And he even said, yeah, we're going to take a two-year break. He was kidding, of course. <laughs> yeah. I was just look, I just looked at him with a total look of like, what? Nah, I don't, no way I don't yeah. buy that. And, I, and then I said, well, how come we're not going to Europe and Japan at least? You know, at least we should be touring Purple Rain in Europe, no matter what. And even Australia. And yeah. he said, no, no, I'm not up for that. He goes, I'm not up for it. He said that, I asked that question with the whole band standing there he, it's what he said to me. He said, I'm just not into it. Did he not like touring? I don't know. I mean, he never he never said he didn't like it. Hmm. He never said that to me directly. But for whatever his... Uh, he couldn't give me like a, a clear answer as to why he didn't want to go forward with a, a world tour on hmm. Purple Rain. Interesting. After, yeah. And I mean, I, I would have been happy to take, take a month off even yeah. if he was burnt out on six and a half months. Because I'll tell you, I ran into Eddie Van Halen one time. Uh, on one, on, on one of their two. Yeah, rest in peace. But anyway, I, I saw him here in Minneapolis once, and he was so burnt out. He said, we've been on the road for a year, mm. and I really miss my wife bad right now. And I'm going home. I'm finally going home. I go, you're kidding. You, you've been out for a whole year, I said. 
Nonstop without any break? Pretty pretty much. He said pretty much. You know, that's... And I went, oh, whoa. You know. So that's what Prince, I think maybe he was dreading that mm. feeling. Oh, no. He didn't want to do that. Yeah. Hey, how long do I you guys so. typically tour? Oh, back in the day, we, normally we do, mm. in the U.S., those U.S. tours, the bigger ones, mm. you know, starting with, I'd say, controversy, uh, those were at least six months long, a year or long, you know, six and a half, roughly, per year. North American touring, that would be it, you know, that, he, that was all, would be all he'd do. And then maybe go to Europe for a little bit. But the European tours, depending on what they were, could last anywhere from a month and a half to three months. And then we do basically a, a month in Japan. Wow. Three, and then maybe three weeks in Japan and then go home. And we did several like that back to back where we did Europe and Japan that way. And uh, it, that's kind of grueling. I got to tell you, it is a bit grueling because it's all the flying or busing in between the gigs. And the, the one big flight that takes you from London to Tokyo is pretty long. Mm, and yeah. it, you get pretty, you get pretty fried. And then, yeah. the, the, uh, and then the jet lag hits you like a ton. So, yeah. Back in the day, you guys would tour. So let's say during the 1999 tour or the Purple Rain tour, you guys would do the show, and then you would go to a club and play anywhere from two yeah. to four hours, and then you would have sure. like Bruce Springsteen could show up one night, Madonna could show up one night. So you weren't mm-hmm. just doing the show. You were doing the show and then a show afterwards. Yeah. They were after parties. Those were after, after parties. parties. Yeah, after party jam sessions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Who are some of the people that would show up to those? Oh, uh, Eric Clapton, wow. Nile Rodgers. Uh, who was the uh, Ron Wood? Mm. When one of these cats rolls into the after party, like when Bruce Springsteen sits down and you're playing, does it make yeah. you like sit up straight or like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. You know. Wait. Wait a minute. You want to hear? Here's a great one for you. Ready? Yeah. This is, this is really, this is the one that probably made me, my spine go up the straightest, uh-huh. okay? This was Paisley Park mm. Studios in, in the soundstage, 1988. It's the Love Se- Sexy album dress rehearsals. Oh, yeah. Getting ready for the tour. And in comes Quincy Jones oh, and his you. head engineer, Bruce Sweden. Right? You've heard it. You guys have heard of him, right? <laughs> the Swede. Who, who actually, Sweet. he's actually Sweet. originally from Minneapolis. Did you know that? What's that? That engineer is originally from Minneapolis, I too. did not know that. Yes. So, so Bruce and Quincy were guests for the rehearsal, and they had them sitting directly behind me on the stage. Oh wow! And it was a and it was a stage that's in the round, by the way. If oh you remember. wow! Yeah. So here's Quincy Jones. Wow. Sitting behind me while I'm playing. No okay, pressure. So I'm, it, it, no pressure. There was no pressure. Fortunately, I was well rehearsed and there were no mistakes. But at the same time, I'm jumping around inside my own body, right. going, "Oh my God, it's Quincy mm, Jones yeah. in the room." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He and he, you know, he's not going to miss anything. Like if you mess up, he's going to hear it, right? Because his ears right. are so good. Yeah. Well, what I love about you, Doc, is you have this really creative side as a musician, artist, and yet on the other side, you're a geek like me. You love technology, and you love what technology can do from an artistic 
perspective. And I know that back in the day when you were working with Prince in the studio, you showed him a lot of ways how to get certain sounds and to get certain keyboard mm-hmm. sounds. And you were part of the Minneapolis sound. You know, thank you very much. Uh, you know, we're all dealing with COVID-19 and there's a lot of anxiety with everything that's going on. I mean, we're just, we are an information, emotional overload. Somebody that's an artist, somebody that is a musician, what advice could you give them to help them mitigate or manage through COVID-19? How, how to stay positive, how to stay productive, how to stay creative? You have to write and you got to just do it, you know, just put it down on paper and or put it down in music. Don't always have to, to write the lyrics. You know, I don't profess to be the greatest lyricist in the world, but you really have to write it down. And I like to collaborate with people and as well, you know, I mean, so, you know, some songs we do these days, a lot of artists, you know, they get songs from three or four writers, you know, mm-hmm. all at once. I mean, there's three or four more writers on one song and producers too. So I love to collaborate that way too. And then, you know, but when you're home like this and you're isolated, you can do long distance session work with people, um, you know, exchanging files over the internet. It's very easy as we all know now. So people can work long distance and they just, if if you're able to do it, I say, yeah, do it as much as you can. And if you can't, you know, get your garage band out and, and write some songs. There you go. But there's something about playing with other cats that is so fulfilling. And it's like cycling is the same way, Rocket. It's like, I love to ride by myself and I get a lot out of it. But man, when I ride with other people, and that that collaboration and and that connection, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. when it really is rich. I I prefer that too. I agree, one hundred percent. I don't yeah. I don't I think mean, we can course, let the doctor you know, go without asking where the name Doctor Fink. It's an interesting story uh, that took place in nineteen seventy nine. It was right around November, almost this time of year, in fact. And uh, we were on tour for the first time as an opening support act for a major label artist. Even though Prince was, you know, signed to Warner Brothers, we still had to, you know, climb the ladder, so to speak, you know, to get known. And um, so this was our first opportunity out of the box to do that. And we were opening for Rick James, of all people. Oh, super freak. Yep, that was the Pirate Up Tour. Oh, right. Before Super Freak. Before Super Freak. Yeah. Yeah, just before. That's when he had the hit You and I, right? I think so. You and I. Yep. Yeah. So regardless, he's on stage. He's, oh, wow. This, this tour is this no, this tour is all about the the marijuana oh, yeah. and the corva and the corvassier <laughs> right saw on stage. The... Right on stage. Yeah. Oh I know. I saw him and, and like the whole time he's it's just Rick smoking James. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Where's some pee from? They had they had two uh, people from, uh, walk on the stage from either side of the stage wearing joint costumes with smoke coming out of the top. Okay? Large this is joints. 19... Wait, this is 1979. Okay? You know, this is like a 10-foot high costume. Yeah. Right? That'd be big. You know, because you're you're in a, you're in, a in an arena, right? Yeah. So, yeah. as soon as the Fire It Up song you know, started, which yep. is pretty much at the beginning of the concert. Yeah. The whole arena would light up with weed. And I'm not exaggerating. This <laughs> yeah. is 1979. Think about it. Yeah, I know. And it, I was in and, high school. And this is down south. 
and this is down south in, in the southern United States, oh, wow. in particular where the tour went, you know, in the, that circuit of the country. Hmm. And and the, the, the southern white police were freaking livid about this, man. They, they would come to the shows before the show and threatened to arrest Rick James right to his face if he went up on stage and smoked wheat. He, he would never listen to him. And they couldn't control it because there were so many people. There would have been a riot. You can't hold they James down. Tried to do anything. <laughs> so, so they let it go. But <laughs> this was just too hilarious, right? So, uh, yeah. So that, oh, that was our, our big thing. So, so anyway, so we're about three shows into the tour. And we're in Chicago. And I'm uh, wearing my current outfit, which was a guy in a black and white striped jail suit. Because I thought it looked cool to be wearing black and white stripes with the black and white keys of the keyboard. And I didn't really remember anybody. <laughs> so it's and camouflage. Of, and, and we were, and yeah, and, and, yeah, and we were like, we were trying to be the punk funk group, right? We were right, trying to nice. be, you know, kind of different, right? Yeah, so I, yeah. Prince, you know, so I, I wore, that, wore that outfit on American Bandstand. And, oh. You know, Prince kind of liked, liked that outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he approved it. Everything that. had to be approved. Prince had to be, everything had to be approved by Prince, oh, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, Rick James does this song called Bustin' Out of L7 yep. on that tour. That record. And he and he comes out on that song wearing a really wide-striped black-and-white jail outfit. <laughs> prisoner outfit. That he tears off, the whole top comes off because it's Velcroed to the front, so he can rip uh, it off and show off his body in the middle of the song, you know, mm-hmm. you know how Rick is. Yeah. Well, yeah, Rick James is wearing a jail outfit. You're going to have to change your image. I go, did Rick tell you that? He goes, no, but, you know, we're the opening act. That's just me being polite. Yeah. Just thinking we should change your image because the headliner's wearing a jail suit now, even though it's on one song. And I go, okay, okay, okay. He goes, you got any other ideas? <laughs> and I'm sitting there, this is like, you know, uh-oh, <laughs> now what am I going to do? So, so back when I was over, you know, looking for outfits in Minneapolis, I literally went to some costume shops, right? And, uh, and I said, well, there was one other idea I thought of, but I didn't go with it because I thought the black and white thing would look cooler with keys, you know? And he goes, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> what was the other, what was the other idea? I go, a dude in a surgical outfit, <laughs> doctor outfit, doctor well, what, Bravo. <laughs> and he goes, what? I go, yeah, guy in a doctor suit. And he looks at me and he goes, and the, the light bulb went over his head, right? Like in the cartoon, you know, the light bulb, bing, you know, he goes, hmm, okay, let's, let's try that tonight. Let's try that tonight. I'm going to send our wardrobe gal out to a uniform shop in Chicago to get that for you. I go, okay. Well, I guess that's it. So they went out and got me surgical scrubs and all the doctor accessories, the mask, the surgeon's cap, <laughs> the, the, even the even the, the thing with the mirror on the front that goes around your oh, head. Yeah. The, the, the little reflector thing. Yep. Sometimes doctors would use. And, and then that was it. You know, I was next thing you know, I'm a surgeon and I'm wearing goggle glasses, which I already had on stage. Those are kind of a those sunglasses and then Prince said I want you to wear the mask I want you to go out on stage completely covered in the mask and the goggles and the surgeon's cap I go why Why? just do it it'll be great you're going to draw all kinds of attention to yourself it's going to be great just do it 
And they went, okay, 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 okay. So I go out and I do this, and of course, what happens? The glasses completely fog up. <laughs> I can't see what the heck I'm doing. Even thank God I'm, you know, good enough to kind of play by feel, you know, like a la TV Wonder or something. Yeah. But still, you know, I'm not that perfect. So after about three songs, I finally just undid the mask because I, I was just, my glasses were completely steamed up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's funny. You know, so I'm thinking when you when you're telling me, Doctor, if you weren't Doctor, and then the song "Baby, I'm a Star," so instead of him going Doctor, he would have had to go mm-hmm. Prisoner, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I don't know if he would have done that even. Yeah, it's true. Doctor just sounds right. cool, man. Yeah, it it it, it kind of helps, doesn't it? I, yeah, I mean, it and we all know there's been a lot of doctors out there, you know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of musicians and keyboard players that go by that but i guess it, 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 in my context though none of those dudes wore surgical outfits they didn't actually That's dress true. like a doctor so the next night did That's you wear the mask difference. oh yeah i kept the mask nice. on for the whole tour <laughs> i kept doing that you, you know were but i would take time, it off man. I, you were wearing a mask yes, way ahead of your I time know. Yeah. but i told i told prince i said prince I, it's steaming up my glasses he goes well you just leave it on for the first couple songs and then undo it that, you, you know go. that's yeah. fine i get I, I totally get it man that's cool i don't want you to suffer yeah so he was he was <laughs> what a guy. You know, yeah oh that's that's a great story man thanks for sharing that uh, you're welcome. i mean you're welcome. i heard the story but there's things that, like i hadn't heard this version of the story oh yeah i gave a more detailed account this time well very detailed well, you do operate very well behind those keyboards. It's a great story. And in the studio. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's great to have you on our second episode and some great stories. Well, I love the fact that, that you kind of approach life with this innate curiosity about everything. A childlike fascination with everything. It's mm-hmm. yeah. a good way to be. All right, man. Well, we'll right. be talking have soon. A good Thank day, you guys. so much. Thanks, Doc. Have a great day, brother. Yeah. Hey. You too. Take care. Okay. Bye. Rocket, so how did you like talking to Dr. Fink, man? What'd you learn? Oh, man, I, I learned that Rick James had a big part of his, <laughs> his life and uh, the, his name. So. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Because I'm a big Rick James fan, too. I like the funk. Yeah, me too, man. I grew up with Rick James, P-Funk, Parliament, Funkadelic, all that stuff, man. Earth, Wind & Fire. That was my good. soundtrack. It's all good. And Stevie. Mm. Stevie Wonder. Yeah, did you learn something about Prince that you didn't know about Prince? I did, actually. When he talked about Prince not wanting to tour... That that was uh, not not shocking, but yeah. it was like wow, okay, like yeah, it. that's cool, yeah. And I almost feel like that uh, that contributed to the you know the Prince like aura. I think part of it, he loved to play live, but he was so creative and he was so prolific in his songwriting. That he wanted to get back in the studio and get to work and work on some new stuff. Yeah, well, and it takes a lot yeah. to say no, too, right? It's True. the easy thing to say, yeah, let's go tour, let's make yeah. the money. You it's know, a grind. Let's, let's do this. But he just, no, nah, I don't want to do it. And, yeah. you know, that's that's what leaders do. Yeah. No, they don't do the obvious. They, they do other things. No, that's great, man. Well, as somebody who grew up with Prince and all that stuff, 
and and getting to know Doc. You know, I was a big fan before I was friends with him. You know, mm-hmm. but I still love hearing those stories. Prince is for me. You know, Bruce Springsteen, Prince, uh, Bowie, the yeah. Beatles. I mean, it doesn't that, get any better. It doesn't get any no. better, man. Well, that wraps up episode number two. Rocket, anything else you want to add before we sign off? I think that's it, Greg. We want to thank Dr. Fink for being on the show. We want to congratulate Colin for getting that Bennett White scholarship. Want to thank Rocket for coming in the studio. And most of all, we want to thank you for listening. Because without you, we're just two guys sitting in a room talking to ourselves. And it's fun, but it's a lot more fun with you. Until next time, peace, love, music, art, cycling, and transformation. This is We Ride Why Radio. Hello, hello, to new radio. Is there anybody out there? Help me sing my song. is a strange thing. Just when you think you learn how to use it, it's gone. Woke up this morning and my head was in a daze. Brave new world dawned upon the human race. But words are meaningless and everything's surreal. Gonna have to reach my friends to find out how I feel. And if I taste the honey, is it really sweet? And do I eat it with my hands or with my feet? Does anybody really listen when I speak? Or will I have to say it all again next week? Hello, hello, turn your radio Is there anybody out there? Help me sing my song Ride Y Radio. Thank you for riding with us.